All right, so we'll say good morning. Let's let's begin. A lot to do today. So a long daffim of Gemara. Beautiful, beautiful big zechos. More words, more words, more Torah. Okay, so we'll say today's daff is Kuf Tesvav one fifteen. We are picking up Kuf Yudalid one fourteen at the Mishnah. So an interesting sugya. Hamakir Kelav usvara biadacher. We'll say so. Imagine this scene. I recognize my utensils or my svarim in the hands of someone else. In other words, that I, someone else is, is holding on to my property. The Yatsa Lo Shin Gneva Beer. And Rabbi say again, people knew that I had experienced the burglary, meaning say it was known that my home was burglarized. So what happened? Yeshava Lo Belokeach, Belokeach, excuse me, Yeshava Lo Lokeach, Kama Nasan, Viyito. So Rabbi say the Lokeach, the purchaser, so this is actually interesting. So the Mishnah assumes that the person who has the items is not automatically assumed to be a thief. Meaning, we assume that the person who's in possession of the items quite possibly bought it from the thief. So what happens? So the purchaser will call him, goes ahead and swears how much he paid for the property, the yitol. And I'll say, ultimately, me, the owner of the property, am chayiv to go ahead and pay him back for the amount that he spent. Vitan, I can take my property. So we'll say, see here, the incredible novelty. So I'm paying for my own property, right? So meaning, I, I, I'm walking in the street, I see Ruvain holding my watch, wearing my watch. It's a beautiful watch. Funny, I just lost the same one. He said, oh, I just bought it. So it turns out that that's my watch. So Ruvain swears he paid $100 for it. I pay him $100 and I take back my property. They in love. But I will say, ultimately, again, if... Not now. If not, means if there was no shmu, if there was if there was no rumor in the city or no news circulating about a burglary in my home, laugh call heimena. So I'll say I am not believed to say that that is my stolen property. Shani omer machra la'acher velachon zehimena. Because I'll say I say in that kind of case where there was no speed, was no talk about a robbery in my home, then it's just as probable that I sold it. I have seller's remorse. I have seller's remorse. And ultimately, Reuven bought it from another individual. Fine, says the Gemara, So even if there was a rumor, not mostly when I say rumor, is not really, if, if there was news circulating about a robbery in my home, and that news was circulating throughout the city, my Havi, I will say, why should they allow me to take the object back from the Lokeach? Maybe, maybe, I sold the watch, and I circulated the rumor in order to go ahead and be able to get my watch back. So we'll say, so because what's the case? The case where I had people staying in my home, and I started yelling in the middle of the night, my property has been stolen. In other words, that there are witnesses, there are Eden there, that I called out that my property was stolen. Says the Gemara Kol Ilamatsa. All the more so, it could be that I'm using my, com- my overnight company as a pretext to create a false rumor that I was robbed when in fact it wasn't. I will say, why would I make up a rumor that I was robbed when I wasn't? It becomes my alibi to get back my sold property. I have regret that I sold my watch. I can't get it back because I can't reverse the sale. But if I claim that it was stolen, then Lamais, again, that gives me a leg to stand on. So the Gemara says, Rav Kahanim is saying, Bamishrei Dirav, so we'll say, what's the case? The case is where they found tunnels dug into my home, and the people who were staying in my house were seen leaving my house, 
through the tunnels with bags filled with my stuff on their shoulders. So that's a pretty good, you know, that, that's a pretty good indication that I've been robbed. So it says, And everyone says that, oh, Plony's home was robbed. So I say, so maybe, maybe they only stole Kalim. They didn't steal Svarim. Yet the Mishnah says Kalim and Svarim. Where the Shmur Abosa that went out said that both my Kalim and my Svarim were stolen. But maybe only small Svarim were stolen, and he's claiming large ones. Because it's where I identify the particular Svarim that were stolen. Maybe they were new ones and he's claiming old ones. Amrav, Kigon de Amri, Halolu, Kalev, Shalponi, excuse me, Kigon de Amri, Halolu, Kalev, Shalponi, Halolu, Svaru, Shalponi. We'll see where the Shmuel went out that people are saying this is so and so's utensils, these are so and so's Svarim. Yamarav Haki, did Rav really say this? We're supposed to say, again, remember the general principle the Mishnah is dealing with over here, the principle espoused in the Mishnah is that if I go and I see my property in the hands of another, and there's a Shmuel, there is a corresponding call, a corresponding rumor or news in the town saying that my house was robbed. I have the right to go ahead and I have the right to go ahead and make the person who's holding my property swear that he purchased it. And once he tells me the purchase amount, I have the right to buy him out. I have the right to pay him what he purchased and get my property back. The emerge is pointing out that it's not just enough for me to make that claim. There has to be a corresponding call. There has to be the corresponding news in the city that, in fact, I was robbed. So listen to this. Rav says that if a thief, a ganav, comes secretly at night and takes my utensils, Potter. It will say Potter means, and this is amazing, he does not have to go ahead and pay me back. Why? My kananhu. Because he acquired the Kalim with his own blood. I will say, I look at Rashi just a moment. Listen to this. The halacha is that if somebody were to break into your house at night, if you were to kill that individual, you would not be chayiv. You would not be chayiv. Which means that anyone who breaks into a home at night in order to go out and steal property is taking his own life in his hands. So there's almost like a quasi kimle bidirabimine happening over here. And since he was willing to since he was willing to risk his life, ultimately again he acquires the property. An, int- an interesting halacha. We don't pass him this way, but this is what Rav's shita. So the said, that's the case that he acquires it. Then Lamaisa, when he sells it, the seller shouldn't have to return it back to the owner either. That's only true in the case of the thief who comes in the middle of the night because he acquired he acquired the kli through his willingness to give up his life. In these cases, ultimately, again, where the thief was not most or nefesh, so to speak. You see, by the way, the power of Mesiras Nefesh. Right? The power of Mesiras Nefesh is even for a Ganov. Right? The Ganov who's most or Nefesh has a greater koach than a Ganov who's not most or Nefesh. To which the universe Amarava, Loshana Alabalabais, Asalimkar Kalev. So we'll say, furthermore, again, we're only saying this when it comes to a Balabas who normally sells his utensils. Ava Balabaishino Asalimkar Kalev. Lo sarich la duri alei kule hai. But I will say, ultimately, again, for a balabas, for a balabas, 
who does not normally sell his utensils. See, he does not need all of these criteria. So in other words, that when do you have to, when do you need to go ahead and say, have the call that the utensils were stolen and all the identification of the utensils? That's someone normally steals their, excuse me, sells their stuff and there's a concern that maybe their seller's remorse. Therefore, I need this supporting, I need this supporting information to back up his claim. But if a person doesn't normally sell his utensils, then Lemais, again, he doesn't need all of this supporting information. But maybe in this case, he did sell it because he needed the money. So Ravashi says, no, 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 because remember, there was at least, there was a Shem Geneva, there was talk about a robbery in the city. Says the Gemara, Itmar Ganavu so listen to this case, I something was stolen from me, object was stolen from me, and then, and it was, and it was sold, and after it was sold, Hoker Haganov, the thief was identified. So we'll say, now in this case, there are two parties. It turned out that Ruvain stole it from me, but he sold it to Shimon. So now there's Ruvain the thief, Shimon the buyer. So we'll say, so now the Shaila is what? The Shaila is, I want to get my, I want to get my utensil back, who do I take it from? Who do I get it from? Well, not who do I get it from? Ultimately, who's on the hook for payment? So it says the Gemara Rav. So so Rav Mishmeid Rabbi Amar Hadinim Arishon. So I say Rav says my claim is with the Ganav. My claim is with the Ganav. So what does that mean? Look at Rashi. First top line in Rashi Hadinim Arishon. Dino Shabal Abayis Utviyasos Ala Ganav He Ve'Inu Al Keach Bal Dino Ve'Imba Ligvosa Hemeno Yitain Domim. What this means is that my, my issue is with the Ganov. So what that means is if I want my Klee back, I want my Klee from Ruvain, or I should say from Shimon, excuse me, so what do I do? I have to pay Shimon the money. Right? Shimon is an innocent bystander in all of this. I have to give Shimon the money, get my Klee back, and then what do I do? I sue the Ganov for the money I had to pay for my Klee. So that's according to Rav. My claim is with the Ganov. I can't seize the property from the buyer without paying him first. Rabbi Yochanan says, no, it's not true. I have the, my, my dinner is with the Shani. I could seize that utensil back from the purchaser. And let the purchaser go ahead and take it up with the Ganav. Rashi says, Hadinim Hasheni, Dino Shabal Abayis, Melokeahu, Biyotse Hemeno, Bekeila Bechina. So we'll say fundamental machog. It's a really fascinating case. So remember, again, my stolen property is found to have been bought, to have been purchased by another individual. According to Rav, I can't just seize that from the purchaser. And if I want to take it from the purchaser, I have to pay him what he paid for it. And then I could sue the Ganav for the money. According to Rabbi Yochanan, no, I could absolutely just seize my property. I could seize from the purchaser and let the purchaser take it up with the Ganov. Amrav Yosef lo pligi, they're not arguing kan lefnei yeyosh, kan lefnei yeyosh hadinim hasheni, kan laachar yeyosh hadinim harishon. To which the Gemara says, which Rav Yosef says, they're not arguing, it depends. But say, if it's before yeyosh, if before, meaning if the owner has not yet despaired of recovering the item, hadinim hasheni. So ultimately, you're going to both say, in that case, before yeyosh, he's permitted to take it right from the purchaser. Because since he still owns it, that is his property that is sitting in the hands of the purchaser. So he's permitted to just take it back without repaying and let the purchaser go back and take it up with the gun. of But I will say, if you already had Yehush, then what? Then technically, the purchaser has already acquired the item. If the purchaser has acquired the item, so if I want it back from the purchaser, I could buy it from him and then sue the gun of ultimately for payment. 
to which the Gemara says, "Vitarvayu isu de Rav Chista," and both will say both of them hold of Rav Chista. What's Rav Chista? Rav Chista says Rashi says, "Gazal v'lonis Yeshu Abaylim." That will say if an abrit was stolen from me and I, the owner, did not have Yeush. And someone else went ahead and consumed the item. I have the ability to go ahead and get repayment from either of these individuals. Is that true? That they do not argue? Yet to both say, the case of Matnos Kuna, which we'll define in just a moment, is like the case of Yeyosh. And yet we see that Rav and Rabbi Yochanan do disagree. This time, because we learned, Whilst I say to the butcher, sell me the insides, sell me the intestines of the kish, because really the insides of that cow, you behind matanos, and both remember again, the halacha is that even when you shecht non-sacrificial animals, there is always an obligation to give certain portions of the animal to the coin. I purchased the insides of the animal, and the butcher never separated out the matanos kuhuna, the Kohanic gifts. So what's talacha? So I have to separate out the Kohanic gifts, and I cannot go ahead and subtract anything from the purchase price from the butcher. From the butcher. So the Gemara says, however, but if I purchase the insides of the animal based on weight, then then I give the separate out the Kohanic portions, and I go ahead and... I am permitted to deduct that amount ultimately from the purchase price. Rav and Rav said, Lo shanu ela sheshakol yatsmo. We will say, when do we say this? Look at Rashi. Lo shanu lakach. We will say, second wide line on Kuf Tes Vav Amadalev. Lo shanu lakach. Hemenu ben mishkan. No sin lakoin. No sin lakoin. Demashadol keach akarchach. No sin lakoin. Bo yitpa damim in amokha. So we will say, when do we say that ultimately again, I have to go ahead and give it to the coin? <coughs> When is that? So the Gemara says, that's only when I waited out myself. But I will say, if the butcher waited, ultimately again, the is with the butcher. So I will say, what? Say, no, 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 the law is even with the butcher. I will say, take a look at your attitude just a moment. What it means is that the claim of the coin is not against me, but the claim of the coin ultimately again is against the butcher. And Rashi says, what do you see from here? So this is a case where the tabach, the butcher, is like the ganov, and we see from here ultimately again that his claim is against the rishon. To which the gemara says, no, 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 Rather, what it means is the coin even has a claim against the butcher. He certainly has a claim against me, the purchaser, because I am the one who is in possession of the meat right now. But he also has a claim against the butcher. What would I have thought in matnos exalos? I might have thought that Kohanic gifts cannot be stolen at all. Kamash Mulan, yes, they can. Ula Abai Damar Pligi, the Mai Pligi. And about Sakranit Abai, he says that no, Rav and Rabbi Yochanan disagree. What do they disagree about? So the Gemara says, Bidrav Chista. They disagree ultimately again regarding the Shita of Rav Chista. Rav Zvidamar, Kegon Shines Yaishu Abailim Biyad Lokeach. Oh, well, so Rav Zavid said the point of contention in Rav and Rabbi Yochanan is when? When the Bailim, when the owners experienced Yeush, but the Yeush came about when the purchaser already purchased the item, but they did not have Yeush when the, when the Ganav had stolen it. And this is what they argue about, I will say. One opinion holds that if Yeush comes first, 
and Shinoi Rishos change of domain happens afterwards, then you acquire the then the Ganav acquires the object. But Shinoi Rishos Va'achakakiyosh Lokani. But both say there's a Shinoi Rishos, like in this case over here. Ultimately, again, the Ganav sells it to the purchaser, right? Then only afterwards is there Yeyosh. That does not affect acquisition. Umar, some of the other opinion holds, no, Loshna, it doesn't make any distinction about say, whether Shinir Rishus or Yeosh comes first. As long as both of them occur, the purchaser will acquire the object. Papa Amar, Beglima, Dukhuli Amalo Pleyid, Hadalamare. So let's say, when it comes to, let's say, if we're talking about a cloak, and let's say, again, the cloak was stolen and the cloak was sold, everyone will agree that's what? That that Glima, that cloak, is returned to its owner. Bahacha, what are they arguing about over here? Now we are going to learn about something exceptionally important. Look at Rashi. There's something called the Takana of the Marketplace. The Takana of the Marketplace says that if I buy goods in good faith, I buy an item in good faith. In other words, good faith means what they're both saying. I have no reason to assume it's stolen. You know, if you buy something and the seller is selling it dramatically below market, right? So there's like red flags that maybe there's something. Uh, that's one thing. I bought an item in total good faith. Total good faith. So what's the halacha? So then it turns out that the item itself is stolen. So what's the halacha? The halacha is that when the owner of the item comes to take it, the halacha is that he has to pay me for it. He has to pay me for it. They call this takana sashuk that's kind of the marketplace because they're both like, if not, if you don't put this takana in place, you will limit, you'll limit people's willingness to engage in transactions. Because essentially, again, if there's no buyer protection, then Lamaites, again, I'm going to be concerned because is it possible that this is stolen? It's possible that anything is stolen. And if there's nothing to protect me, I'm going to be very reticent. I mean, obviously, people have to buy certain. I'm going to be reticent to go out and give my money. Therefore, to protect the buyer and to allow for essential, you know, free commerce, Ta'alokha protects the buyer. That if you bought in good faith and it turns out that it was stolen, if the owner wants his object back, he has to pay you the money and he gets it back. He then takes his claim ultimately against the thief to reclaim the money that he spent. So I will say, so therefore the halach, so Rab Mishmet, Rab Chia Amar, Hadinim Arishon, so Rab in the name of Rab Chia said that the halacha, the, the, the din is with the Rishon, meaning the buyers, the, excuse me, the owner's din, his claim is against the thief. So the Gemara says, Zina de Lokeach, the Lishkol Zuzimiganov. Ultimately again, ultimately the Lokeach, the purchaser should really get his money back from the Ganav. And they did not enact Takana Sashok over here. That ultimately, again, the owner's, the owner's claim is against the second individual, against the purchaser. And therefore, he should be able to take it without any money. I will say, ultimately, again, that the Lokeach should be able to reclaim it from the Balabas. And they enacted the Takana Sashuk in this case. The Savarav lo Asubo Takana Sashuk. And I will say, does Rav actually hold that they did not enact Takana Sashuk over here? Vaharav Huna Tamide di Rav Abbas. So listen to this. That Rav Huna was a Talmud of Rav. The Chanan Bisha. I will say, a guy named Chanan Bisha. So Chanan is his name. Bisha means bad guy. So that, that's what he was known. Hanan, the bad guy. Gun of Glima. Both say he stole a cloak. Vizabno. And he sold it to another party. So the owner of the cloak came before Rafuna. Amrali Allahu Gavra. Zil Shari Abitach. 
go ahead and take your object. Right? Rashi says, Hatar Mashkone Khlomar now, now what, he was, what, he told, what he told the seller, what he told the owner was, go and buy back your property. So you want your cloak back? You have to go and buy it back from the purchaser. To which the Gemara says, what's happening over here? Shiny Hanan Bisha, Kevon Delekalishtalume Mine, Kilo Hooker Dummy. We'll say the difference over here with Hanan Bisha is that since it would be impossible to get repayment from him, because apparently he was a very powerful individual, so... This is the equivalent of a case, ultimately, again, where we did not know who the thief was. And also, everyone will agree that what? In a case where you don't know who the thief was, the owner of the object will have to pay the purchaser the amount that he paid for the object in order to go ahead and get his object back. Amar Rava, so as the Rava said, This is very interesting. If you bought, if you bought an object from a Ganav Mephorsam, if you bought it, right, if you, from a known Ganav, there is no buyer protection in that case. So I go ahead and I buy it from Joe the Ganov. That's the name of his store. Right? Joe the Ganov. So again, I'm about to say, in a case like that, there's no buyer protection because I should have known that I'm buying stolen property. And therefore, again, if the owner shows up, the owner is not obligated to pay me for what I paid for the object. He can just take back his object. I have a What about the case of Hanan Bisha? That's a case of a known Ganav. Yet, and they enacted Takana Sashok in that case. Hanan Bisha was a bad guy in many ways, but he was not known to be a thief. So he did many other bad things, but he was not necessarily known to be a thief. Itmar, was listening to this case. I went ahead and I stole an object and I used the stolen object to pay off my debt or I used the stolen object to pay off my credit, meaning I bought something on credit and so I paid it off. So what's Talacha? So now watch this case. I borrowed $1,000 from Ruvain, and I went ahead and I stole, I, stole a, I stole a Rolex. I go ahead and I take the Rolex and I pay back Ruvain. Now the owner of the Rolex comes along to Ruvain and wants to take back his watch. The halacha the Gemara is saying over here is that Takona Sashuk, buyer protection, doesn't apply to Ruvain in that case. Why not? Because we say to Ruvain, Ruvain, you didn't lend silver that money on the, on the das of that watch. In other words, you lent him that money not knowing that the watch was going to come or not. Therefore, I'm going to say you can't claim buyer protection in that kind of case. Mashkana, ma, I'm sorry, Mashkanta Shavi Mason Bemeo. So we'll say, ultimately, again, if a person gave another a stolen mashkon worth 200, and as a result, he lent him 100, and we'll say, that is the case, ultimately, where we would claim takaran sashok. Why? Because essentially, what the Gemara is saying is like this. It's only in a case where an exchange of funds was made because the person thought that he was actually acquiring title to the object that takaran sashok is made. But if, if a stolen property was used for repayment for something, and then it turns out that the object was stolen, so the person who was repaid can't claim Takana Sashuk under those circumstances. Amemar Amar, so Amemar said, Amemar Amar, Amemar Amar, Lo Asuba Takana Sashuk. I'm sorry, Shava Bishava, if both say equal items were exchanged, then Lamaisa, again, look at Rashi, Mashkanta Shava Bishava, Ain Derach Lasos came, Lahavos Alamashkon, Kol Shavyav. So both say, if let's say again, I lent someone or someone lent me money and I gave them a Mashkon of the same value, we don't apply Takana Sashok in that particular situation. 
Okay, I'm sorry, I just lost the place. Fine. Shalman Abbas, Rav Sheshus, Amr Allah Aswat Akran Sashok. Rav Amr Aswat Akran Sashok. So we'll say it's Machlokis, it's whether or not they made Akran Sashok in that case. And I will say, what is that? What is that? Allah, Bekulu Asabot Akran Sashok. Rav will say, Chazal applied Akran Sashok by protection. In all cases, Lebar Meganov Upara Bechovo. So both sides, Takran Sashuk by protection applies in all cases with one exception. The only exception is where I stole property and I used it to pay off a debt or I used it to pay off credit. So both sides, why does buyer protection not apply in that case? Because Lamaisa, since the loan was not made with any kind of reliance on the stolen object, therefore you can't claim buyer protection in that situation. So both sides, just this, because I want you to walk away with something from this halacha, this indeed is halacha Lamaisa. This actually is a very very important halacha. So the Shulchan Aruch in Choshen Mishpat Simen Shin Nun Vav Sifches writes the following: Halokeach miganav she'enam mafursam. Both say if I purchase property from a ganav who is not well known. Oh, he's he's only in the minor leagues of Gan Ganvos, right? He hasn't made it yet. So I'll say the point over here is I, I I remember this goes back. If I if you buy if you buy property from a known Ganov, there's no recourse. Meaning there's no recourse for you to reclaim the money you spent. You should have known better. But assuming that I bought from a Ganov who I did not know was a Ganov, and the truth is I really had no way of knowing that he was a Ganov. I go ahead and I purchase, I purchase property, or not property, I purchase an item, it doesn't matter what. I purchase an item, the owner of the item says, that's my item. It was stolen from me, I say, I'm so sorry. The owner does not have the right simply to take it back, but rather, again, the owner has to go ahead and pay me the amount that I paid for the object, and then the owner then goes ahead and takes the claim up with the ganav. This is what we call takhanas hashok, says the Gemara. Avimi, Avimi Bar Nazi, Hamod Ravin Hava. So, to listen to this. So, Avimi Bar Nazi was the father-in-law of Ravina. Hava Masik Pahugavra Arba Zuzi. So, he lent a particular man for Zuzim. Ganav Glima Asi and the So, what So, what happened? So, the borrower, the borrower stole a cloak. The borrower stole a cloak. And he went ahead and he brought it back to the creditor. And as a result, the creditor went ahead and osve arba zuze achrini. He lent him another four zuz. The so poker agana. So at the end of the day, it was discovered that the cloak was stolen. So they came before Ravina. So what's this? Now the Shailah was, Shailah was the following. Amr, kamai ganav. So for the first four Zuz, for the first four Zuz, that's the equivalent of that he was paying back the first four Zuz, ultimately with what? With stolen property. And remember again, we just established before that what? That for payment of a debt, you, the, the creditor is not covered under the Takana Sashok. Right? You're not covered under Takana Sashok. However, again, I'm sorry, and therefore again, the owner of the cloak is not obligated to reimburse the creditor for the first four Zuz. However, Hanach, for the second four zoos, remember, the second four zoos were lent, for, were lent based on what? They, those were lent based on the cloak. Anytime someone takes action based on the property, ultimately they are covered by Takanazus. See here this interesting case? So remember again, so, we'll call, so the lender lends four zoos, 
borrower, borrower goes and steals a cloak, brings it back to the lender, the, the cloak is worth more than four zuz. So it seems to be some part of the cloak ultimately is supposed to be repayments for the first part of the debt. And then the rest of the value of the cloak was the security to borrow more money based on that. So now the Gemara says for the first four zuz, for the first four zuz, the creditor is not covered by Takana Sashok because Lamai said that money was not lent based on the cloak because the cloak was not yet in existence. But for the second four zuz, he absolutely is covered by Takana Sashok because Lamai said again that money was only lent based on the reliance on the cloak. Maskevah Rav Kohen. So we'll say Rav Kohen raised the following kasha. Vidilma glima bahani zuzi kama yohabne mehile. But ultimately again, let's assume, why can't we assume that the cloak was given as a result of those first four zuzim? That is true, but that being the case, that becomes a case of ganavu para bechovo, ganavu para bechovo. Both say that it's still paying back a debt with stolen property, which is not covered by Takana Sashuk. So we'll say, so therefore again, but I should say that the second four zuz that were given, so hemune hemne, ultimately again, they're given based on the fact that there was a security of the first four zuz put there. So we'll say, so the matter escalated and it came before Rabbi Avua. So Rabbi Avua, this case came before Rabbi Avua. Amar, Rabbi Avua said, Hilchasa, Kirav Kohen. I will say the halacha is like Rav Kohen. So I will say, so that is also halacha l'maysa. Listen to this. Shulnach Paskins, Haya no shebegan of meazuz, so vegan of vehevi lebalchov, vevenosal amea acherim, hariagneva chazeris lebaalea, vaomrim, vaomrim, leich vitava, so we'll say, so bottom line, without getting into the technicalities of this case, if lender lends, if lender lends the borrower a hundred dollars, and then ultimately again, borrower steals a piece of property for, that's worth two hundred dollars, let's say. He goes there, he gives him the property, so, and then lender lends the borrower another hundred dollars. Once he received the object, so it's an interesting halacha. So now what happens? It turns out that it's stolen. Owner shows up, we'll call it a cloak, wants his cloak, wants his item back. So, so lender says, no problem, no problem, but it's going to cost you $200. So what's the halacha? Rabbi will say, for the first 100, the lender cannot claim against the owner of the item. Why? Because Lemaissa, again, remember, he did not lend that first $100 based on the item. Why? Why? Because the item was not yet in existence as far as the lender was concerned at the time of the original loan. However, the second hundred dollars was absolutely lent based on the item. Therefore, in that case over here, the lender will be able to recapture under Takana Sashok the second one hundred, but not the first one hundred. That's the halacha of Rav Cohen. Fine. Next, so the Gemara says Narsha gone of Sifra Zabne la Papuna. So we'll say there was a Narshon. These are these are these are. Um, these are national identities or, tr- or tribal, yeah, national identities. And Narsha, so a guy from Narsha, and Narshain stole a book from, stole a book, Zadne le Papunoin, he sold it to a Papunoin, Betimnin Zuzi, and let's say he sold it to the Papunoin for 80 Zuz. So also what happened, the Papunoi went ahead and sold it to a guy from Mechuzah for 120 Zuz. So the Sof, Hokara Ganav, then after a certain amount of time, the Ganav was recognized, meaning they saw it was stolen property. Amra Baye, Lazel Mari de Safra. So I'll say now the owner of the owner of the book, the owner of the book, wants to go and retrieve his book from the guy from Mechuzah, 
who had bought the book for 120 zuz, from the Papunoi, who had bought it from the Narshom for 80 zuz. It's like Chagadjo. Hey, so what, what happens? So Amr Abai, so so what do we do over here? Amr Abai, Lazel Murray, the Safra of the Yoivle, the Bar Mechuza, Tamnin Zuzi. So we'll say, the owner of the book should go to the guy from Mechuza and pay him 80 zuz. 80 zuz, the shakel safre, and he should go ahead and take his safer. The ozl bar mechuza, the shakel arbon mi papunoi, and let the bar mechuza go back and reclaim the remaining 40 from the guy from papunoi. Maskev la rava, so rava said, one second, hashta lokeach mi ganav, asubo takana sashok, lokeach mi lokeach mi boy. Well, say, I don't understand. If you make a takana sashok for the guy who purchased from the ganav himself, then all the more so what? Takanas Ashuk should apply to someone who purchased from a legitimate purchaser. In this case, the Bar Mechuzah really didn't do anything wrong. Because who is the Bar Mechuzah buying it from? He's buying it from the Papunoi, and it was the Papunoi who bought it from the thief who was the Narsha. So the Mechuzah is two steps removed from the Geneva. So if you can tell me that Takanas Ashuk applies to the person who Mamish purchased it from the Ganav, then what? All the more so, all the more so the individual. All the more so, the individual purchased it from a legitimate buyer should be covered as well. If that's the case, then Lemaisa, the owner of the owner of the book, should have to pay the guy from Mechuza what? 120 zuz. Let him pay the full amount. Why only the 80? To which the Gemara says, now, in reality, you're right. Also, because of Takana Sashuk, the owner of the Sefer needs to pay the Bar Mechuzah 120 Zuz. The Shakil Safra, then he can take a Sefer. The Lazel Mori de Safra, the Lishkal Arbon Mi Papunoi, the Tinnin Minar Shah. Then I will say what ends up happening. Then the owner of the book collects repayment for his Sefer in two stages. He goes back and he collects ultimately again 80 from the Papunoi, and he goes ahead and he, excuse me, 40 from the Papunoi, and he takes the 80 ultimately again from the Narsha. So in this case over here, the last purchaser will be covered by Takana Sashuk. The owner of the object pays him the 120, and the owner has to go back and reclaim 40 and 80 from 80 from the thief, and ultimately 40 from the first purchaser. So we actually alluded to this case a little bit at the end of yesterday's daf. So we'll say, I, I, I come with my, with my barrel of wine, and Ruven's coming with his barrel of, of honey. So we'll say, what happens? So the assumption by the Mishnah over here is that honey, actually, well, we'll see. Fine, let's just go, no Rashi yet over here. So what happens? So Ruvain's barrel of honey breaks. So what do I do? I pour out my wine in order to save Ruvain's honey. So we'll say, so let's make the assumption over here that honey is more valuable than wine. So what's Talach? So we'll say, the halacha is, I cannot, I cannot claim the value of my lost wine from Ruvain, the only thing I could claim against Ruvain Rabose is the value of my time. In other words, I worked, I, I did labor, so to speak, right? I collected all of his honey, so I could, I could claim payment ultimately again for my time that was worked and for usage of my utensil, but I cannot claim against him for the value of my wine. Vim Amar, but if I say to him, listen, I'll, I'll save your, I'll save your honey. If what? If you pay me back the value of my wine, then under those circumstances, so ultimately again, 
Ruben will be chayv to give back the value of my wine. Shataf nachal chamoro v'chamor shachavero. We'll say I'm walking with Ruben, and the river sweeps away my donkey and Ruben's donkey. Shelo yafem mana b'shachavero masayim. My donkey is only worth a mana, and Ruben's is worth much more. V'niach zeh shelo v'hitzalas chavero. So I let my donkey drown, and I go ahead and I save Ruben's. Einu alaskaro. So we'll say I can't claim from Ruben the value of my lost donkey. The only thing I can claim from is the value for the work I performed for him. But if I say to Ruben, listen, Ruben, I'll, I'll, I will save your donkey as long as you promise to pay me back for the value of mine. Then what? Then indeed, Ruben is chayev to go ahead and give me back the value of my donkey. But why is this? But say, listen to this. So the Gemara asks a very interesting question. Now, the interesting question over here is, why is it in a case, let's say, where Ruben's barrel breaks? and his honey is pouring out, and I pour out my wine and collect his honey, the Gemara posits over here, I should actually be able to take the honey for myself. Why? Because Lemaise, again, the honey becomes hefker. But say, why is the honey hefker? Rashi says, but at the end of the day, your honey's pouring all over the Rosh Hashanah. So the mice again, Harini Kimatzalmin a Hefker. Let's say at that point in time, it effectively becomes Hefker. So when I save it, in reality, I acquire it. But did we not learn? So we'll say, listen to this. If I was carrying barrels of wine or barrels of oil, then I saw that the barrels are breaking. Listen to this chav. I say, I see my barrels are breaking. I say, okay, truma, they're truma. And let's say, so again, remember the great chav of that is that if they're lost, I don't, I don't, I don't have to bear the loss. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. And if you did so, and I will say, ultimately, again, if you did so, you did not say anything. And I will say, now, again, now, what does that show you? Now, I understand why you shouldn't do it. But it doesn't just say you shouldn't do it. What does it say? It says you can't do it. Why? Because I will say, once that battle is breaking, that wine is spilling out, it's hefker. It's essentially ownerless. So that's why, again, not only shouldn't I do it, I can't do it because I no longer own that wine. So therefore, again, plugging that into the Mishnah, if Reuben's barrel breaks and his honey's pouring out all over the place, I should be able to acquire that honey myself because it's effectively hefker. Oh, so which Rabbi Yirmiya said, what's the case of Osai, where there's netting over the barrel. There's netting over the barrel. So we'll say that netting effectively prevents the contents from spilling out all over the place. I mean, the barrel is breaking and it's pouring out at a slower rate so that I could still salvage the contents. So we'll say when that netting is on top of the barrel, that prevents the contents from from spilling out quickly. Therefore, again, it's still retrievable because it's retrievable. Therefore, it's not hefker. So we'll say, is that true? Let's go back for just a moment. So now you told me, if my barrels are breaking in Rosh Hashanah, and I call out their truma, that what I said is in, 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 an ineffective designation. Is that true? Listen to this case. I'm walking on the road, and I have money in my pocket, and I see a robber, I see a robber coming across from me. So we'll say, I mean, I think I'm about to get robbed. So what happens? Lo yomar, so listen to this chaf. So I can't say, you know what? I've got a hundred dollars in my pocket. Let the fruit that's in my home 
that I was going to separate out Trumas and Maestro's son, let that sanctity be deconsecrated and be con- let the sanctity devolve upon these coins. Others will say, what I want to do is I want to redeem the sanctity of my produce with the coins in my pocket. Now, what's my cheshman? What's my cheshman? My cheshman is I'm about to be robbed. So at least if I'm going to be robbed, let it be the coin who endures the loss and not me. So what's the halacha? You should not say this. You shouldn't do this. Oh, say if you did it, what? It works. So you see from here that it does work. What's the case over here? The case over here is where I think I'm about to be mugged, but it's also possible that I'll be able to get myself out of this circumstance. So therefore, because it's not a definitive loss, Therefore, the mice say, and I am permitted to make this designation. I will say, if, but if it's the case, I'm able to save myself. So then why can't I designate this money as my Kodesh money? To which the Gemara says, Because I will say, the case over here is where I'm, I could save myself, but it's not so poshant. Meaning, I don't know, I know that there can be a favorable outcome over here, but I'm not exactly sure how this is going to play out. To which the Gemara I will say now, is that true that in every case where there is going to be a potential hefzid, that you should not make these type of cheshbonus, where you go ahead and you designate items as consecrated property? Vatanya, I will say, we learned, So I will say, if a person had 10 barrels of tevel that was tome, remember, tevel's untied produce, and I saw one of them broke, or, or we'll say, was uncovered. So most remember again, the issue of uncovered is the issue of, of megulin, of mashkin megulin. Remember again, uncovered, so, so, so liquids that are left uncovered overnight, ultimately again, cannot be used because of gzir mashkin megulin, because of the fear that a snake may come and insert, it inject its venom into it. So what's the halacha? Omer harehi chuma, girehi chumas meiser, so we'll say you could say, you could go ahead and designate this one barrel as Trumas Meiser on the nine others. We'll say you shouldn't do this for, by oil because of the loss that it'll cause the coin. So we'll say we'll discuss what that means in just a little bit. So we'll say, so you see that you can do it. So Rabbi Yirmiya says, no, 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 what's the case? Even though the barrels are broken, because we'll say ultimately the case over here is where the netting of the press, of the, of the, of literally of the olive press, of the wine press, is on top of it. So because the netting is on top of it, therefore what? The loss is not definite because the contents won't spill out all at once. They'll only trickle out slowly but surely. So we'll say, you know what, we'll say, we're going to stop over here for just a moment because I want to, I'll record the rest, but early today, Mir Hashem, but I want to share with you just a, a short, a short vart on, on the parasha. So we'll say, we're stopping here a little bit, a little bit mid-sugya. A little bit mitsugi, but again, we'll, we'll, I, I will record the rest. Short idea on the. Well, so we continue on Kuf Tesvav 115b. We left off in the middle of the daf. The Gemara says Bishlama, pretty much right in the middle of the page, about uh, in the middle of the page. Bishlama Shnishbara Chazio. So if remember we're talking about the Chav, the the case of the Asas Eser Chavios Shel Tevel Tomei. 
the ten barrels of the Tamil that's Tomei. So the Gemara says, Bishlamash Nishbara Chazyo. So if the barrel breaks, then ultimately again, the wine that is saved could still be used by a coin. Because remember, the way the Gemara set it up is that the situation is that the wine is being held in or the top of the barrel has some type of netting that prevents all of the wine from spilling out immediately. But if the wine ultimately is, if there's Gilui, Gilui means it's uncovered, then what is it usable for? Meaning with Pashtos, once you leave liquids uncovered overnight, they become fundamentally unusable. Maybe you'll say that even if it's not usable for drinking or consumption, it's usable for zilof. Zilof means sprinkling. So what they would do is they would sprinkle wine in their homes to create a pleasant scent. But yet we learned that water that was left uncovered should not be spilled in Rosh Hashanah. Nor should they be used to go ahead and create mortar. Nor should one go ahead and, nor should one go ahead and use them. They used to have dirt floors. So they would sprinkle water on the floors to keep the dirt down. And you should not use it to water your animals. Not your, and, and not your friend's animal either. So you see from here that even liquids that were left uncovered, the idea still is one is not supposed to use it out of concern that if there's venom there, that venom could enter the body through other ways. To which the Gemara answers, the Avar Le Bemasnenes. The case is where you put the liquid through a Masnenes. Masnenes is a sieve or a strainer. The idea is that if there is venom in there, ultimately it would come out. The Gemara says, Kirab Nechemyo. Because ultimately the Brisa says that even if you strain the liquid, there is still an issue ultimately of Gilui. There's still an issue of the venom. Rabbi Nechemyo. When is that true? That's only true if the lower utensil in which you are pouring the contents into is open. But ultimately, if it's the lower receptacle, the receptacle that you're pouring it into, that has the sieve or the strainer or the cloth that's straining, then you could strain out the venom. Because ultimately, again, snake venom is like a sponge. And it will float up, it, will, it floats really on the wine and it will remain in place. To which the Gemara says, It's my Allah, Lo, Shanu Ella, Shalotarko. Furthermore, the Gemara says, This is only true. Rabbi Shoban Levi says, This is only true when you didn't mix the wine after it was left uncovered. But ultimately, if one if one did mix the wine after the gilui, then the wine would be usher because the venom would get mixed in. To which the Gemara says here, there's also another possibility that you could place you could place an item. So they're talking over here about like not a sieve or not a strainer, but more like a cloth that would have been used as a type of filter. And you would put that on the opening of the receptacle and pour the wine through that. Ultimately, again, if you pour the wine, Rashi points out that this only works if the wine is poured slowly, then the venom will come out. To which the Gemara says, but one second... Um, but according to Rabbi Nechemia, ultimately, again, can we go ahead and separate Truma from Tevel that is Tomei? So the Gemara says, You could separate our Truma from that which is Tomei. 
or you could separate Shuma from Tomei, you could separate Shuma mina Tomei al Hatomei. So you could go ahead and use Tomei produce to go ahead and separate out Shuma Smeiser from that which is Tomei as well. Umina Tohor al Hatomei, you could take from that which is Tar and that which is Tomei. Umina Tohor al Hatomei, Avalo min Hatomei al Hatar. But you cannot go ahead and separate out from that which is Tomei for the, for, to rectify that which is Tar. For having the Chemia, says, Af min Hatomei al Hatomei, Lohitiru so Nehemiah says that even for that which is Tomei, on that which is Tomei, you cannot go ahead and take that as Truma. Elo Bishal Demai. The only place you can do this, Rebbe says, is in a situation of demise. So remember again, demai refers to produce of an amoaretz that midrabbanon is treated as untithed produce. Even on midaraisa, we could assume that even amehaaretz, in fact, do take trumas and maestros. Hachanami b'shel demai. Fine. Amramar u'b'shemen lo yasekim and they have said coin. So Rebbe remember again, the Gemara said that you could go ahead and when you could go ahead and separate out from the barrel of tame of of Tevel, that is Tomei, you can separate out Shumas Meiser, but one should not do this ultimately with oil. So what's, what's the Pshat? The Gemara said, because it represents a half set of loss to the coin. So we'll say, why is it that Shemen is treated differently than wine? Because ultimately Shemen is not only usable for consumption, but Shemen is also usable for illumination purposes. You could kindle it. You could kindle it. So the, and therefore, again, its loss represents something much more significant. But one second, wine also has another purpose other than just consumption. Wine could be used for the sprinkling to create a nice smell in the house. So maybe you'll say that sprinkling is not significant. said that wine that you could buy, we could buy a lug of drink wine for a cellar, but wine that you use for sprinkling for aromatic purposes, you would pay two. So pretty. So you see that the value of the value of wine for scent purposes, in fact, is even more expensive than wine that is used for drinking purposes. To which the Gemara says, "Hachamaskinon." What's the case over here? Hachamaskinon bechadash. Since we're talking about new wine. So new wine, because it's new, doesn't have really a developed aroma. So because of that, it wasn't usually used for sprinkling. So, but one second, but even if it's new now, you could hold on to it for a while and it will become suitable for aromatic purposes. To which the Gemara says, well, we don't want to hold on to this type of wine that is tummy because one may go ahead and accidentally consume it. And if one consumes it, one is ingesting truma that is tame. Shemenami asibei lidei takala. But one second, shemen also, you could go ahead and come to some type of obstacle, to some, meaning you could end up making a mistake with it as well. To which the Yimara says, no, 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 because the shemen, you're going to put in a disgusting utensil, so you won't come to use it. Yainami manoch lebeklimos. So one second, but wine, you could also put in a clean mouse, in a disgusting clean, and perhaps that will prevent you from inadvertently using it. Hashto lezeluf kaboyle bikli manos kamochle. So it doesn't make sense because if you're going to potentially use it for sprinkling, would you go ahead and put it in a clean mouse? And of course, the answer to that is no. So we'll say so because obviously by putting in a clean mouse, that would take away its ability to have a natural, a nice scent. So we'll, say, we'll stop over here, and Amir Hashem will pick up with this takala. Now the next part of the Gemara is going to be takala atzma tanaihi. The notion is that now the Gemara is going to end off with this sugya. Well, I should say we'll pick up with this sugya 
which is the notion of holding on to things that are prohibited out of a concern that if one retains possession of these items, one may come to inadvertently go ahead and transgress. So whether or not it is prohibited to hold on to things that are prohibited, lest you come to use them, we're going to see Zemachlok Yestanoim, which Amir Hashem will continue with tomorrow. Also, wishing all of you a wonderful, restful, and peaceful Shabbos. Looking forward to continuing the daft tomorrow.